Hello and welcome back to my podcast. Very, very grateful to have you here. If you're new, welcome. And if you've returned to listen to another episode, thank you so much. Very, very grateful. I'm happy that you're here. Uh, So today's recording was a really fun and reflective chat with my friend, I think brilliant human, Vicky Patterson. Now, when I set out to do this podcast, I told myself I wasn't going to spend the whole interview time telling the guests I'm speaking to how much I love them. But I think once you listen to this chat, you'll understand why I've gone against that. I don't know if it's because Vicky was due on her period or if she was genuinely touched by what I said. But I successfully managed to make her cry. I'm sorry, Vicky. I've literally just listened back to the episode now. And in case you're wondering, uh, right now I'm sat in a room hooked up to an IV bag having some of my monthly cancer treatments so if you can hear the clattering of the blinds or maybe a distant dog barking you're welcome anyway as I was saying I've just been listening back to the episode and I have to say it's made me even prouder to know Vicky and I hope you'll see why enjoy the episode today I'm talking to Fellow Scorpio, TV presenter, author, podcast host, Copperfield patron, and all-round hilarious Geordie, Vicky Patterson. Uh, you may know her from an old TV show called Geordie Shaw, or winning I'm a Celeb, or from reading her super intelligent and insightful posts about anything from finding real love to not giving a shit about cellulite or her dog Milo on Instagram. And also FYI, if you want to know when Vicky is on her period, do follow her on Instagram. (laughs) Um, Vicky, thanks for being here. How are you today? Do you want me period? We are here now. Three three days, Chris, yeah. Okay, forgive me. I haven't had periods for about 14 years. Right. um, But obviously I have lots of girlfriends and a twin sister. So I do, and obviously because I follow you. You really like, it's that pre-menstrual time. I mean, yeah. this is not what we're going to necessarily talk about, but it's, it's fucking fucked up. And the more you talk about it, the better understanding we can all have, I think. I kind of feel like women are true soldiers, you know? Um, and you get that like more than anyone I'd probably suggest. But I feel like we're really conditioned to just get on with it, you know, mm. whatever we're going through. And um, I just completely, I had like a terrible time with my periods at the start, well, for the last couple of years, really. I'd been on the contraception implant for about Mm. 15 years. And actually it got to the point where I was like so full of synthetic hormones. Like I actually didn't know when I had a reaction to something, whether that reaction was me and I'm just dramatic, you know? And a, a, a bit over the top, or whether it was the hormones, I, I didn't know who I was anymore, and it was terrifying. So I made the decision to come off it, which I stand by, you know, my body needed a good break. But um, what I wasn't aware of is that sometimes contraception can slow the growth of cysts and stuff, which, mm. again, like just completely unaware of as a woman. So I got my contraceptive implant out and in the space of a year, I had a little cyst and it grew to the size of like a large tennis ball on my ovary. Mm. And then I just had like the worst period pain ever. Um, and I was talking to some doctors and all that, you know, and they're just like, 
it's really dismissive yes. <laughs> again i'm sure you can relate but just very much like oh it's period pain like everybody's going through it and i was like oh my god i feel like such a knobhead like every woman has this and here i am whinging like it, it, then i got into my own head you know like I completely believed I was a big fanny, I was making a mountain out of a molehill, like whatever, but it took me to like seriously like rock the boat to get any sort of answers and any sort of like, scans and actually work out what it was, work out it was the cyst, no wonder I was flawed, you know? So yeah, so I, I kind of was a bit angry that I was going through all of this and, and being made to feel like I was being a big drama queen, like, yeah. you know, and w when I spoke about it on Instagram, the pain, the ups and downs, all of the hormones, everything, I was so shocked at how, even the cyst, you know, so shocked at how many women come out and were like, oh, I'm going through exactly the same thing. Have you tried being tested for this? And mm -hmm. it sounds like you've got PMDD and what about endometriosis? And you have to fight for this, but make sure you do it. And I thought, hang on a second, like, this is half the world, like being, being told they're just, like this pain and everything they're going through is just normal. So I kind of made a bit of a point to talk about it as regularly as I could. And I do get on men's tits. Actually, sometimes, mate, I get on some women's tits. And I know I do. She's like, there's some women are like, oh, here she goes again. We get it. You get a period. And I'm like, oh, God, if this isn't what you're here for, if, if this is too much, you can absolutely go, but I'm not going to stop. Oh, anyone that spends the time complaining about something so unnecessarily, oh, yeah, no. I just think, I just got to feel sorry for them, haven't you? Anyway, yeah. I mean, this could be a turd, but we're here to talk about <laughs> turds, and I'm obviously keen to know what turd you were up for bringing to the table today. Oh my gosh! Um, so I, I did say I had this. I have this big turd. Um, but I feel like I've whinged about that turd too much and the turds had too much airtime. So I would like to talk about a brand new turd. So obviously I started out my career on Geordie Shore and even though like I'm super grateful my start in, my start on reality TV like was yes. quite littered with controversies you know like I actually didn't really love who I became mm -hmm. like it was a really dark it was some quite dark for me in terms of like mental health mm -hmm. becoming this caricature and actually like I could whinge about that loads but I wouldn't be where I was now if it wasn't for that and I wouldn't know what I was sort of capable of and I totally expected you to say that I never really know what people are going to bring up but I um because I've read your book and and it's such a brilliant book and um i learned so much about you obviously whenever we meet up whenever we spend time together i'm usually putting you through some kind of torture <laughs> <laughs> um either on a bike cycling the hills in cornwall or you're walking in iceland in in or hiking boots that you've never worn before and shred your feet a bit but then but i understood you so much more having read the book but also i can totally I don't want to be a shrink here, but I can totally see your hesitation, having read your book, about saying, oh, I don't want to complain about my that my career started on Geordie Shore because it it created the career I have today. But yeah. I think it's okay to acknowledge where you've been and how far you've come. So I totally respect you saying that the turd was. And what what about it is so turdy, so... You talk about in the book that, and it's, I mean, from what I can gather, one of your biggest regrets was having sex on TV. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that is a turd for me. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. But that's only because um, of how you feel about it. How other people judge you on it is obviously hugely important too, but it's how you felt about it. And again, I watched your film that you made for Channel 4 and, you know, you talk about how much you were drinking during Geordie Shore. No, listen, like, I'm obviously... I think I'm diplomatic and I definitely never bite the hand that feeds me, you know, even if I'm not working with the production company or the channel anymore. Like, I just think it's, it's, I'm still in this industry. It's not wise to be like that. But I'm also mm. honest and I think there were definitely moments where if the energy was flat or if people were hungover or if, they weren't getting the content that they needed to get, you know, they're under pressure too, that there was probably moments where more drink was suggested. I think with too much alcohol always comes drama. So given what they were trying to create, I was def that was definitely a situation I was in once or twice. But yeah, like you're so right. Everything you've said, you know, I feel like whenever I describe my experience on Jodie Shaw as like in a negative way as a turd, I'm so grateful for everything that's happened to us in life, whether it be like good or bad, because it is actually, it, it, it makes you who you are. I'm a firm believer in the butterfly effect. Don't know if, if that makes me really cheesy, but if any one thing in my life was different, I wouldn't be on the path to be becoming the woman I am becoming, you know? And I, I'm starting to really like her. You know, I've spent years not liking the person I was and I'm finally getting to a place where, you know, I'm, I'm really quite proud um, of what I say in the mirror. So in, in that sense, like, I'll always be grateful. But for me, it, it just fueled anxieties. Um, and in turn, as people have, have learned very recently through my documentary, it encouraged us to drink more. For someone like me, who's always worried that they were going to follow in the father's footsteps and be an alcoholic, you know, it felt like a really vicious cycle something I was completely trapped and powerless in. And how did it affect the relationships you had with your friends and you're obviously you're so close with your mum at the time? Um, you know, you've said before that they must have seen their Vicky sort of slip away because who you were at home was different to what they could see on TV. The horrible thing was, like, a lot of people in Newcastle hated the show. So it, this is like early days I'm talking now, like I kind of get the, I think it kind of became really popular. It, a lot of my friends just spent their time sticking up for us, you know. For them, like, it was just kind of like really draining. Um, and obviously that was just in the beginning, people did come round. But then I think it was me mum and my relationship with her and my family in general, you know, that suffered the most. I'd never been a particularly like problematically like problematic child. Um, I loved school. I loved my teachers. Like I loved doing well. Don't get us wrong. When I discovered booze and boys, it was there was a little bit of a teenage rebellion, but predominantly I was completely what you'd describe as a SWAT. So when I came back from uni and went on Geordie Shaw and had this had this sort of, I suppose, teenage rebellion, but in my 20s. Like, my mum just didn't know really what to do with herself. All those parts of us that she really liked, you know, like, she just saw them all go out the window. And I became, like, anxious and withdrawn and stressed out and aggressive. Because I, I, I didn't love the situation I was in, you know. 
I was kind of doing it as a means to an end, but the, the end goal, the end post kept shifting, you know, and I had these conversations with my mum all the time, Chris, and she'd be like, you told me last series it was the last series. Mm. And I was like, because they told me I was going to get a show. They told me they were going to start letting us present the news. They told me this and they told me that, but now they've said they're not, so I just need to do one more. Mm. And honestly, it was, I was naive. I, I completely didn't have the tools to navigate the new space I was in, you know? Yeah. I didn't understand the intricacies of the business side. I didn't understand like the deals that were being made. I didn't understand anything. And I just believed people took their word for it. I think my mom could say I was unhappy and potentially being exploited because of my desires to do other stuff. And she she wanted the old me back. So it drove a real wedge between her and um, our relationship was strained for a very long time. I'd probably say like four years. It was a drop. And then when did things shift? When, when did you go enough, I can get out of this? Because in a way they were making you feel like if you leave the show that you've got nothing, you are nothing. And in your 20s, you are still so impressionable. You think you're really grown up, but you're really not. <laughs> How grown up do you think you're in your 20s, though? Oh. Like, you think you've so, like, you've got it. I remember when I first went in Geordie Shaw and, like, telling them I'd, I'd, lived in, I'd lived in Europe, I'd lived in Spain. I'd done a fucking season in Magaluf, <laughs> That's what I was talking about. I thought I was so cool. Yeah. I thought I was the duck's notes, but I wasn't. I was, yes, mummy sees you. Um, I just thought... Yeah, so I, I just, you're never as grown up and cool as you think you are, are you? Um, what they always used to tell you at Geordie Show is like, nobody is bigger than this show. And that's so true. And actually, like, I think it kind of encourages, I think what they were thinking in their head is that it would encourage um, us to think of ourselves as a family and, you know, to, to sort of all work hard and realise we're in this together and all the rest of it. But actually there was a, a definitely a darker side to that narrative, which was like, you are absolutely replaceable. And I just kept thinking, but I'm not having fun anymore. I wanted, I wanted the things that girls in their late twenties are starting to want, you know? Like I, I wanted a nice fella. Mm -hmm. I wanted to wake up in a room that wasn't, didn't have dirty makeup wipes all over the floor. <laughs> And didn't have somebody sick in a bin. Like, I just, I kind of wanted to grow up a little bit. But there's this moment that sticks out in my head, right, Chris? And I was so over the show. For the last series, like, I feel sorry for anybody who fucking sat and watched us because obviously there's loads of other great castmates who are still doing what you expected them to do. But I was just such a boring cow. Like, going home early barely getting ready to film. I remember at one point sitting in a cafe in a duvet because they'd made us get out of bed and I couldn't be arsed. Like, I was becoming very painful. My head was just somewhere else. So um, I remember coming back early from a night out because they were just like, just fucking go. You're bringing absolutely nothing. And I had like a little face mask on in bed and I was reading a book. So, so Geordie Shaw-esque. Yeah, Second World War, I think it was about, from like the Russian perspective or something. I can't remember, it was incredibly well, yeah. off-brand. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I was just sitting there reading this book, and this young, like this like researcher, comes booling through the door, flings it open. Yeah, she's reading, in, in his headpiece, yeah, she's reading a book, a book! <laughs> <laughs> and he, you'd think I was 
mainline and heroin, the way he went on, right? So I was like, I looked up from my like quite cosy scenario and I was like, is everything all right? And he was like, you can't put the book down. The cast are about to come back. And I was like, all right, okay. Uh, what should I do with it? He's like, well, Sean's had an argument with Gary, so you need to put the book down. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm going to have that conversation again yeah. for the 500th time. And it would be so like counterproductive and, and so terrible if anybody on anybody watching the show could saw that any of us could read. Is that the <laughs> is that the issue? Is it? So honestly, they made me put my book away, and the girls came back, and like they're lovely lasses, you know. I had a great chat with them and stuff, yeah. but I just remember thinking in that moment, this is absolutely fucking not me, and not also just kind of not a culture I'm, I'm, I want to perpetuate anymore. So I um, that was one of the one of the real things that stick out. But yeah, so and I, I eventually left and I was dead scared, you know, I was dead scared at first. But um, in, in MTV's defense, they made they, they made good on their word um, and they did give us a show. So no, everything started to fall into place afterwards. But it was really scary. From what I can tell, you're, you're really getting to know yourself, right? And uh, at the time, I think in your 20s, you think you know yourself, but you don't really. And then, I mean, even at, we can probably look back now. So I'm thirty, going to be 37 in November. And hopefully, if I'm alive long enough, in my late 40s, I'll be like, oh, remember when you were 37, you thought, you know, you had it all figured out. Even the, I, Do you think that happens? I don't know. Do you know. think that happens I, like every decade you get older? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I can't help but think like we've got it pretty figured out in my 30s, Chris. <laughs> okay. I'd like to think that. Are yeah. you going to remind me of this conversation? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that chat we had. Um, <laughs> uh, but you said, you said something in your book that I really liked and you said, know yourself so well that you can tell when you're on the cusp of something good or bad. And I think if you can know yourself well enough, at least in your 30s, 20s, whenever, to kind of go, right, hang on a minute. This decision that I'm about to make is important and I don't know if it's right and I don't know if it's wrong. And even just that awareness. Do you think you're still working on that or are you there? So yeah, I think if your 20s is your decade of like fucking ignorant self-confidence and mm. woefully misguided arrogance, like I think little cameo from me fella in the yeah. background there, give hey. away so <laughs> I think then I think your 30s is like, that's your decade of really finding yourself, but also like, also real awareness. I just used to jump into decisions in my 20s, completely head first and think about the like consequences and ramifications later. Whereas now, like before I even choose what to have for lunch, I think of like a million different like, things, you know? I feel like as I'm getting older, I'm getting more aware, more head, like a slight, I, I don't like to say hesitant because I love to still think I'm brave, but yeah, there's definitely an element of that. I think, I think that's part of growing up, you know, is just being, being aware of like all the things around you and sort of, all of the things that could essentially go wrong or all the lovely things that could go right as well, you know? Just being a bit more measured with your decisions. I, so, right, you know how footballers, after they've played a game, they have to watch the match back and, like, mm -hmm. say, like, oh, that was a good one. Or, yeah. or that, I know nothing about football, so forgive me <laughs> that if was these a good terminologies one. aren't correct. Like, <laughs> yeah, that was a good Lovely bit of footwork there, son. <laughs> um, but, or, or, like, oh, he's quite... 
that, that tackle was bad. What, you know, my fella's probably yeah. cringing in the background here because he loves what he is. He's having a right giggle. He's wrong. But yeah, but they must think of these things. You must have to. So I think you should do that in life a bit. And even though it's like super painful sometimes to think about the way you dealt with the situation and unpack it, especially if potentially you didn't deal with it as best you could, you know, I think it's important for your growth. So when I'm making a decision or when I'm feeling something or like whatever it is, I have to take a breath and go back to another time I've made a similar decision or another time I felt a certain way. And even if it's, you know, a bit uncomfortable to do so because potentially I did the wrong thing then, it's for the best because it helps us, it helps us be better. Mm. Sometimes sitting in the uncomfortableness helps you be better. And, and, and that's sort of, that, that's me advice in, in that scenario. Like, I think you have to sometimes sit, sit with the stuff you did that didn't make you so happy because then it, it makes you work out the right way to deal with things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it can help you focus so much better on the decisions that you are about to make. And then, so without the shit, you can't really, you can't really get to that realization. No. I mean, let's, let's talk about the glitter then. And I think you learning that about yourself is a huge glittery part. You writing <laughs> that book, I think, is a huge glittery moment post everything you've learned about yourself. And and I and I kind of want to talk about that sort of forgiving yourself a little bit. You've said like, obviously, I don't regret anything, and you did you did what you did in your early twenties, and now you've learned so much from it, and it helps you be the person you are today. But at what point can you just go? Do you know what? I'm just going to forgive myself. Like I did, I made that decision, and it's fine. Because I'm not. I, if I'm honest, can I be honest? <laughs> can I yeah, be go honest? On, please, please, make it to your podcast. You can do what you want. <laughs> I've, I'm not sure you have, and I really wish you would. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, I think I'm going to get upset. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, you're right. You are really right. Um, and I just, I, I, I want to say that from a friend perspective more than anything. Yeah. And if this doesn't even go in the fucking podcast, I don't care. But like, <laughs> I read the book thinking, oh, oh, Vicky. And you, you say in the book that you want, yeah, you aspire to be someone's igniter. And I don't know if anyone's told you that you already are. You're being so nice and I'm <laughs> so close to my period. I wasn't expecting all of this. <laughs> oh, oh no! <laughs> um, oh, I'm sorry. An emotional. No, never apologise. You're so sweet. Um, I'm a, like, oh, I'm really self-critical, yeah. um, and I don't hate that about myself because it always pushes us to be better. I think if I didn't have that loud inner critic inside me head telling us she's fucking better than you or that wasn't the best you could do, you can do better, or get up now, make sure it's an hour earlier than everyone else because, you know, you're not as good as everyone else. Like, if I didn't have that voice, I'd be complacent and I wouldn't have done half the things I've done. So I, I like that to a certain extent, but um, sitting with it permanently is draining. And I'm so aware that things I've done in my past probably not that ludicrously outlandish you know like god everyone at uni was corridor creeping and kissing some boys they shouldn't and having a particularly wild time but um when you like when you've grown up in the spotlight so to speak 
and you've spent those formative years where you are like proper finding out who you are and trying to forge like a character for yourself and stuff being told repeatedly that you are one thing whether that is slag whether it's a mess whether it's a monster whatever you've been told repeatedly it's very difficult to shake those words those feelings mm -hmm. and if you get told something enough Chris you absolutely believe that you are it you know so I'm trying to undo years of that this is by no means a sub story you know again so grateful for who I am now and where I'm going but like it's just quite hard yeah dealing with the inner critic who's like oh you know you want to be Vicky from the jungle but deep down I know you're Vicky from Geordie Shaw you know and also dealing with all like years of being told that, that you were something you desperately didn't want to be so I think I would love mate that is the long-term goal to get to a place where I'm like oh fuck off like say what you want about us I definitely made some mistakes but I wasn't doing anything anyone else wasn't doing at 22 because I think that would bring me a lot of peace but in the meantime, I'm definitely glittering up, you know. I am using the things I went through, the, the dark experiences, the difficult times, the emotional roller coaster, to like sort of help others through my platform, whether that be writing lovely books about the secret of being happy, whether that be being honest on Instagram and encouraging really important dialogues, whatever it is, like. I'm turning it into something good. What do you think, what's been your best experience, you think, in your career so far? Um, so I've had a few real highlights. I absolutely love doing MasterChef. Yeah. I couldn't really cook a lick before that. And I was in quite a sad time for me as well. Like, I just uh, had my heart broken. I was meant to be getting married and all that. And then I had, no, and my confidence was shot to bits. And then I went on that and met loads of lovely people and proved like even you know right old age of 30 odd that I could learn a new skill so that was really lovely um but yeah I think god I'd be crack as if I wasn't gonna say the jungle yeah that was really good that was really good and fucking winning it was nice as well I'm not at all surprised that you won it uh I loved it and I think yeah well you must have thought this is an opportunity an opportunity to show people this is me the real me this is the real mickey and um, <laughs> i don't not but not that not that i don't actually feel like you should have fucking had to like you just no. said <laughs> i think people make well, the wildest weirdest decisions it's just unfortunate that yours were on telly that's it that's the only difference yeah. but Oh, yeah, the jungle just looks like so much fun. Obviously, I'm friends with Giovanna, and uh, she's had the best experience there, too. That is awesome to be able to do that. I think um, oh, G, G, G on the surface looked a little bit more scared than I did. I'm a real sort of tomboy at the bones of it. Like, I was quite rough and ready, and I had loads to prove, you know. Everybody adored G beforehand, and it's obvious to see why. Um, she didn't need a redemption arc. Mm. I quite clearly was in pursuit of that. So I um, had so much to prove, mate. And uh, I went in there all guns blazing, thinking I'm going to be this best version of myself. I'm going to help her help out round camp. I'm going to um, like take on all the trials. I'm not going to be a fanny. I'm not going to cry. I had all these big goals. And actually, the minute you get in there, they all just go out the window because you're homesick. You can be in there two days and be homesick because 
it's so it's like such a catalyst for emotions because you're stripped away from everything you know like if you go to if you go to Palma Nova for a couple of nights, you're not homesick, mate, because you've got your phone, you've got your fella, you've got your book, you've got everything, you know, you're eating nice food, you've got so many elements of home still there, but take away everything you know, and homesick is, homesickness is just like, it's a breeding ground, you know, without all of the lovely home comfort. So you're homesick straight away, you're hungry straight away, you're tired, you're scared, you're around loads of people you don't know, any um, goals you might have had of being something, they just go out the window and you're yourself. So yeah, so I just quite quickly started to relax and forget the cameras were there and make friendships and enjoy myself and absolutely loved being around Ant and Deck, you know, like that was so nice. Proper Geordie heroes, aren't they? Like you, you grow up watching Ant and Deck, watching all their shows. So yeah, so I loved it, every single second of it. And I don't know if G says the same, but like I even loved the trials. I, I loved that those that there's opportunity to to push myself to show I was something other than what everyone thought I was, you know. It sounded like actually the perfect opportunity because it was, it, you really was stripping away everything, like the glitz and glam of celebrity life, like the clothes, the makeup, the everything, and what's left is just Vicky, <laughs> and I think that you can you couldn't have yeah you couldn't have gone on a better show really could you. Um, another highlight is obviously trekking in Iceland uh, with Cobfield, yeah? <laughs> but I think, again, having read your book, I I was like... Because at the time, we were not as big a charity as we are now, I suppose. And we're not massive, but we, whenever a celebrity or anyone said yes to us, we are like, what? They actually said yes? They want to do it? That's amazing. And we still do. And I never want to be complacent and think like, oh be lucky to work for us or work with us i am always eternally grateful for anyone that wants to support the charity but um how quickly you said yes i'll do iceland i'll walk i'll, I'll hike what like 100k um and then yes i will cycle uh 100 miles in cornwall on a um on a bike that i hardly ever ride uh or ever yeah <laughs> never ne never never right and like you I you had the best attitude about it and I just think now I I can understand well a you're just a great yes person who is up for the challenge <laughs> up for an adventure but also there's still a part of you that wants to prove something and wants yeah. to um almost show us that you're we have to believe that this is this is the real Vicky and I guess it's to our benefit that you are that person because it means that you get to do crazy shit with us. But I guess at some point you'll make a decision purely because you want to, not because you feel like you still have something to prove. I mean, that's the end goal, isn't it? That is the end goal, is just knowing that you are such a good person and actually, like, whatever decision you make is, is based on your character, you know, and it's going to be the right one. And unfortunately, like, I, it is still a bit of a grey area for me, you know? I've spent years of my life not being proud of who I am and the decisions I made and the people I surrounded myself with, you know? So yeah. um, I'm still, look, this person I am now is very much in its infancy. Um, and, you know, there are days where I naturally make great decisions. I am kind to everybody. I am 
a great mum to my law, work gets done really well, I feel like I'm a great fiance. The days I make great decisions. Similarly, there are days when I'm incredibly reactive mm. and I don't sleep well at night because I know I haven't been good to people that day or I know I've made decisions that were self-sabotaging, you know? So it's, an, it's definitely a, a long-term goal, but for now, no, I am still trying very hard to be. But then, you know, Chris, like I'll always still say yes to you because I fell in I fell in love with you on that trek in Iceland. I did, and I remember like I still keep in touch with so many of the people from Iceland. Mm-hmm. Nobody from the bike ride, and that's nothing about the people on there. That's just because I was fucking always at the back on my own. I just had no chance to make any friends. <laughs> but yeah, on the trek in Iceland, like I still speak to Neil every so often. I still speak to like Fiona, Carly. Like every so often, I speak to someone, and I and uh, like we just have a little reminisce. It was six years ago, very recently. Oh, bloody hell. Um, and so we, a couple of them have sent us pictures and I was like, oh my God, look at how young we look. Gee, can you send us some? So yeah, so I, um, I will always still do them predominantly because that's when I was in Iceland is when I first heard your story mm-hmm. and it absolutely reduced me to tears because of how brave and beautiful and wonderful you are. Um, but also just because of the way they make you feel when you do them. Mm-hmm. Like they might be a little bit testing and a little bit difficult and stuff, but you have the most amazing time and meet the most inspirational people and get out of your comfort zone like as we get older there's less and less opportunity to do that Mm -hmm. and it's so easy to just shrink and get small and stick to what you know and the people you know and the places you always go one sec (laughs) dog is in the room if you if you hear any sounds that's why um yeah and i guess worth mentioning that you're going to the sahara in november for copperfield against (laughs) yeah yeah are you excited? Yeah, and I, I've learned. Yeah, I am, and I've learned from my mistakes. So I'm, I'm ordering my kit this week, um, and I'm getting a size up in my boots, so we yes. don't have any. Uh, fuck me! After just running upstairs with a dog and being out of breath, I've realised I'm definitely going to have to get some training in as well, aren't I? Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna um, dog-related sound. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna get some training in. I'm gonna um, get my kit really soon. Go a size up in my boots, and then I feel like you know. I'm probably starting off on a much better note than I have for any others because I've never trained for them. And uh, I've always just got my kit... That's my little ball. Um, I've always just got my kit day off. So, yeah, I feel like potentially, Chris, third time might be lucky here. This is going to be an entirely different experience and for so many reasons. Might not hurt um, myself. No, you'll be great. <laughs> OK, so let's quickly move on to one lesson, one learning that you want to share with us about your turd and how you've glittered it, please. (laughs) Okay, so I think nothing in life is wasted. And like no heartbreak, no pain, no mistake should be seen as as negative, right? You you shouldn't be hard on yourself, you shouldn't hate others, because if you take something away from it, if you learn, if you don't repeat it, if you become better from it and allow yourself to grow, then it's just a lesson, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's all life is, is like one huge, great, big learning curve. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are turds, but as long as you glitter them and take away like positives from them, then they're never really that bad, are they? Then you can always like see the bright side. So that would be my best advice. Even if you're having a tough time, just know that it's kind of there to teach you something and it it will get better. 
like it has to so yeah just always try and find the teachable moment in whatever you're going through and grow amazing and then um what do you think an item if it's real or fantasy digital whatever um that has helped you to get to your turd oh god mm. i feel like i am a huge advocate for therapy mm. um and just and you know it comes in many different forms like everyone you say therapy and everyone fucking has some kind of set up in their head of me like sitting talking to a little guy in specs but on a, on a couch um <clears throat> but it's not therapy for some people is like getting out into nature and screaming in the wind <laughs> for some people it's like sitting around with their friends and having a glass of wine for other people it's therapy in its actual purest form you know talking to a professional and for me like it's a mixture of stuff training hard sweating absolute therapy healthy mm -hmm. body healthy mind um, getting out into nature, absolute therapy. Sitting and talking to someone who is impartial and can give you advice, absolutely therapy. Mm -hmm. And that's helped me so much over the years. When I was at my most toxic self, I did nothing that my body would thank me for, nothing. Even when I exercised, it wasn't because I wanted a clear head or to be strong or to have a body full of endorphins, it was because I was in desperate pursuit of some unattainable body shape, you know? Even when yeah. I was being good, it wasn't good. So yeah. I think um, do things that set your soul on fire, do things that make you happy, do things that are just gonna make you, bring you calm. So yeah, I, I think all, therapy is my answer to that in whatever form that takes for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're now gonna hear from Liz who has glittered their turd. My name's Liz and my story about turd glittering is that about seven, eight years ago now, I thought I was going to be made redundant from my teaching job and it really made me question what do I want to do. I always loved dancing so I went and did my Zumba instructor's qualification, set up my own little business called Zumba with Liz and I've been practicing ever since, delivering classes twice a week in my local community and going out to primary schools and helping kids get fit and delivering Zumba Fitness to kids. And it was one of the best things I ever did because I literally love it. And I actually never even lost my job and carried on teaching and do the two things. So um, yeah, so Zumba's the best. Um, side hustle and it all came from what could have been quite a negative experience so that's how I glittered the tour that I was given I love that I love Liz yeah should we go to a Zumba class with Liz uh yeah sounds absolutely really great. I think she'll be fab oh <laughs> uh, yeah I think that is just a classic case of well I can't change the situation I've got a swerve and do something different and um and at the same time do something that she loved which was dancing very cool well done liz that's amazing love you liz <laughs> okay so um yeah i think to wrap it up we always cheers um if you have a drink great if you don't do a virtual but i think you've got a bottle of water there have you really exciting bottle of water a huge 
huge hydrate mate yeah she loves getting those two liters in <laughs> well done you you really are bossing life um i uh, i've got a um cold tea now uh in a mug that says that says ray of fucking sunshine so we're gonna cheers to all of life's turds all of the turds man and to life itself and to you continually being on your journey of being becoming the best version of you even though we love you for who you are I'm gonna cry again cheers <laughs> cheers. <laughs> cheers 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 see i told you vicky's brilliant didn't that chat just make you want to hang out with her immediately maybe her and her dog milo really glad he made a cameo on this and also her fiance okan that was a treat um I really appreciated everything Vicky had to share about looking back at some of that really uncomfortable stuff and then reflecting on it without judgment and seeing what we can learn from it. I, re I actually really respect her self-awareness so much. I genuinely look forward to seeing the development of Vicky Patterson, whatever shape that takes. As she says, we can always grow and learn and do better. That's actually kind of great, isn't it? On that note, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to Vicky for being so open and honest. And thanks to Liz for sharing your turd with us too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please let us know on social media and tell all your mates. Make sure you follow this podcast so you don't miss any future episodes as well. Until next time, goodbye.